Hey, how are you? Good. That wasn't rhetorical. In fact, it's, the question is um, sort of foundational to our conversation today. Now, I want you to know I'm not going to shame you for your answer. Please don't hear that. But here's my guess is that the way you answered is maybe how you reflectively and most commonly answer when somebody asks, how are you? Like, if somebody came up to you on your way in today and said, how are you? My experience is that I answer the same way I've answered the last 50 times somebody's asked me that question. I'm never the same person 50 times in a row, but I answer as if I were. Now, what's the most common response to how are you? Good or fine? And I think, honestly, in so many circumstances, it's totally appropriate. Like, honestly, somebody did not want to know about my deepest medical needs in that moment, you know, or any intricacies of my life. They were just trying to be kind. And, and, and fine is, um, I think it sometimes can be a compassionate response. Like, have you ever had this where you say fine, but actually you're doing fantastic but the person who asked you, you know their life kind of sucks and you didn't want to rub it in? Like, you know, they're kind of hurting and you want to go, I'm great! It sucks to be you, but I'm fine. And sometimes fine certainly is way better than our reality. I've also experienced that in my life, this may not be true in yours, but with some of my friends, if they say to me, if I say, hey, how are you? And they say, I'm okay. Like, that is wow, they're doing really crappy. Like, that is, like, when they say, I'm okay, that means they're not doing well at all. Let me ask you another question. When you hear the word prayer, what's, a, what's another word that sort of automatically comes to your mind? Quiet? Devotion? You need something, yeah. Issues? A reflection? Gratitude? Communion? I'm trying to warm you up a little bit to get used to this. Like, okay, you're doing good. The bar's pretty low right now. Like, I can almost guarantee you, you cannot shout out a bad answer. There you go. Always. Good. Thank you, Michael. Michael gets a, Somebody give Michael a star. That would be nice. As a child. Maybe, I, I don't know if I can't remember if I've shared this with you. Um, but as a child, every night, this is what I said. Gutsum hava banen che, sitte miten litsene, vetche miten vaden venden, stormen lukun ingens henden. I was the youngest person in America filled with the Holy Spirit because I was able to speak in tongues even before I knew what that was. My mother uh, immigrated from Sweden after she married my father and um, then when they divorced, my, my dad, I, I still have a few memories of when he was still in the home because he, they divorced when I was three. And, and if he came to say goodnight, we always said, I, 
Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, which is a horrible prayer, I think, for children. But anyhow, like I didn't know that was one of the things on the table. Like of all the possibilities of tonight, I don't know why we're centering on that one. But anyhow, part of the dynamic between my mom and my dad was my dad not wanting any Swedish influence in my life, any Swedish culture in my life, and my mom not wanting, wanting as little American culture in my life. And so she taught me that prayer. And since I lived with her, that was the prayer that I prayed every night. I, I say all that to tell you, I don't really know what it means. When I was a child, I understood Swedish because my mom and my grandmother spoke Swedish to each other and then spoke it to us, and then we responded in English. So as a child, I knew Swedish, but now I don't. I, I you know, I know God, I know God who has all the good children. I don't know what he does with the bad children, but the good children he has. And that's all I can, that's all I can translate for you. There are times in my life when in some ways, I, in my sort of connection with God, I'm not much farther along than I was as a child saying things that I don't have a connection to that are just the words that I, I sort of know to say and I say them reflexively, but they don't necessarily reveal or communicate my reality. Today, no, no big secret, we're gonna talk about prayer. Please hear me. I'm not about to reveal to you the way to pray. This is not the one way you should be praying. This is not the secret to praying. This is not the, the universal truth about prayer. Please think of this as another way to consider expanding the repertoire of prayer. I personally don't think there are bad prayers. I, I, I think I've got friends that really are deeply connected to contemplative prayer and listening prayer and intercessory prayer and gratitude prayer and prayer in tongues and, and all kinds of prayers and I, I think it's all great. So that's my point here is not to fix your praying but is to add to us maybe just a new way to think about it and I'll say that because this passage has in this last season just really intrigued me, and I'll share some of that story. The passage we're going to look at is quite, um, quite familiar. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is found primarily in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, I think, and, and it, one way to think about the Sermon on the Mount is I, it's, it's Jesus giving sort of this outline of what it means to live in this kingdom of God that he says now has arrived that is present with us. He doesn't give us all the details. He doesn't flesh out every little nuance of it, but he, he, um, he gives us this broad outline. And, and prayer shows up in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and in this passage, you'll probably recognize these words. It's found in um, chapter 7, verse 7. And I just thought of that. I'm I'm going to read from the screen. My, I've got a different translation that we'll use here in a minute, but I'll use the translation, the English standard that we have up there. So let me read that for us. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, 
and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the summary, some versions might say, of the law and the prophets. I'm going to ask a series of questions today. And one of those, now increasing our level of difficulty in interaction, is I want you to imagine with me for a moment that it wasn't me coming in asking you this morning, hey, how are you, and you give the reflexive answer, which is fine. But what if today Jesus asked you, how are you? And I'm going to even give it some specifics. What if Jesus asked you specifically to begin with, how are you emotionally? How are you feeling today? What are some answers you might give to him? Sad. Sad. Yeah. Peaceful. Oh man, I always forget when I do this that I am now publicly spelling. <laughs> Anxious. Confused. Excellent. Hopeful. Did somebody say afraid? Free. Worried and grateful, I heard. Awesome. Okay. Jesus comes and says, How are you physically feeling? How are you doing physically? Tired. Now, I, I, you don't have to answer. I'm going to, can I explore that with you just a little bit? Who said tired? Okay. Um, and, and the reason I'm asking that is because it's a perfectly good answer. But it's, it's tired and angry always, to me, there's always, um, sometimes I need a little more explanation. So when you say tired, is it tired that a nap this afternoon will fix? Or is it tired that is much deeper than that? Just as simple as that. Deeper, okay, okay. So, there, you get, and, and tired is one of those words that can show up in almost every one of these categories. It's, it becomes sort of a catch-all word. Thank you for being. Okay, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. All right, what else? Physically, how, Jesus says, how are you feeling physically? Did you say old? Old, okay. Okay. I suppose we could explore that also, but I don't want to. Good, good, awesome. That's nice. Good. Strong. Good. Healthy. Awesome. Yeah, achy. (laughs) 
I don't think, oh, that's right, got to be me there, probably. Achy. Close enough. All right. Um, emotional, physical. This one might be a little more difficult. I don't know. How are you feeling spiritually? Weak. Okay, yeah. Blessed. Okay. Grateful. Connected. I love that word, connected. Hungry. Curious. Hopeful. And I, I'm sorry? Swimming. Okay. Hopeful and swimming. Disoriented? Yeah. All right, Rich. One more? Which is it? You know? How you doing relationally and socially? Blessed? Okay. Lonely. Connected. You're doing great. You're doing better than I anticipated, to be honest with you. What are the feelings? How are you doing spiritually, Jesus asks. And you say to him, I'm feeling detached. Faithful. 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 Say, somebody say that out louder. Fulfilled. Oh, fulfilled. Thank you. Sorry. Fulfilled. I'm going to add one of one up here, but sometimes I say to him, I'm feeling shame. You guys did great. Couple observations, one. Some words can transcend every category, right? No problem there. We have a big list of words, and yet we didn't exhaust any of it, right? There, we, could have, we could be here for a long time and, and keep going, and it's all human experiences. There isn't a right or wrong answer here. It is what it is. This is what you feel. What if prayer began with this idea? What if one kind of prayer began with this idea, which was Jesus simply asking you, how are you doing? Tell me about yourself. Tell me how you're doing emotionally or physically or spiritually or socially or relationally. So as we look at this passage, 
There's other ways to enter it. That's one of the ways I'm seeing us enter that. And before we get too far along, um, I, I want to I do a little bit of some, some groundwork, I would call it. So one is, what, what is, what is um, how are you doing, would be my first question. My second question is, how does Jesus feel about your request? How, do, are, how does Jesus feel about you? How does Jesus feel about your life situation? L- let me read from my version, verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a, sta- a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I want to pause just for one second and make sure I don't blow by something, which is the, it seems to me clearly that Jesus here is, is, is creating a mental picture for us. And I don't want to make the assumption that everybody has that mental picture easily available to them. This idea that a parent has a natural, automatic response of being generous, that are sort of a natural yes response to your need. Lots of us in this room don't have that easily available to us. We don't have exactly, perhaps, you know, hey, can I have, some, can I have a piece of bread, and we got a rock, but we have, some of us have had equivalent experiences of that. Now, our parents who were unable to be those kinds of parents, they had their own story for sure. I think I've shared, I'll just, as a, as a side note, sometimes it's easier for me to envision a grandparent than it is a parent. Maybe this is heresy, but if it is, on the list of heresies, it's low, low bar. So sometimes I envision my grandparent in heaven simply because I, have, I, can, I can have some more benevolence for that imagery. And I can get closer to sort of this idea that Jesus is trying to capture for us. So how does Jesus, what is he saying? How does he, how does he feel? What, what is he trying to communicate? How does he feel about our circumstance? How does he feel about our emotional, physical, spiritual, and relational needs? He, 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 He's filled with compassion, and he wants, it seems to me, to say yes. And then here's one that'll be interesting for us. How does Jesus most often answer our prayer? Verse 12. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. Here's what I think. Not exclusively. This is not a rule. But often, Jesus answers your prayer with another brother or sister in your life. By having your life intersect 
with another brother or sister. Hi. Now let me tell you about my life and how it's intersected with this passage. I have, for most of my Christian experience, heard hundreds of times, I'm assuming, this verse. And I just noticed in the last couple, a couple months ago, what I noticed was that I heard the same thing three times. Here's how I actually heard the verse. Ask, and it will be given to you. Ask, and you will find. Ask, and the door will be opened to you. I mean, I know he's using, he used other words, but the only word I sort of connected to praying was talking, was me requesting of God. And so I kind of just had this assumption that he's saying three different ways the same thing, and really all he's saying is he's just saying different ways of asking. And I had just thought a couple months ago, what if that's not true? What if, in fact, praying in this instance is maybe three different things I can do? The reason I had us talk about this is my hunches, if you think back over the last Think about the last three months of your life and think about in those last three months the, the times that you've talked to God. It's possible that one of these experiences in your life has become sort of your most common prayer. I would say it this way. My hunch is you've asked God maybe to fix something that's on this list. And you haven't just asked him one time. One of the, last night at the Evergreen community, and we talked about it, somebody brought it up, and it's, I will have to admit, the verse itself implies that praying often is not answered immediately. Most of our experiences with prayer, now some of there's exceptions for sure, most of us experience prayers that are not answered instantaneously. And this verse even implies that because it, it has this continuous action, the asking, seeking, and knocking. So back to my idea. So I, I think that it's possible that you have, I'm making this assumption that it's possible you have had on this list a out of that, there has been a request you have had of God more than just a one-time deal, that it's been a common request you might have had of God. Ask, seek, and knock. What if they're not just three versions of asking? That you've done. What is seeking and what is knocking? Today, it so happens, is the anniversary date, that's a, I don't know if that's the right word, of my motorcycle accident. It was exactly one year ago today, at almost exactly this time, when I was riding my friend's motorcycle up Highway 72, 
and I flipped it and crushed my left foot and dislocated my whatever this bone is that's still dislocated. Can you see it sticking up out of my shirt? See that little bump? My wife, when she hugs me and she forgets about it, she freaks out every time, and I don't feel loved. But anyhow, different story. Um, but I, I say that because this has been, I'm 56, this has been the hardest year of my life. This has been the hardest year of my life. And the physical challenges, I've still got another surgery, I've got to go through on my foot, that it didn't heat, it, there's been, I've still got a lot of physical challenges. And the, the injury seemed to have triggered other physical things in my body. I, I'm, I'm struggling with, some, with neuropathy and all kinds of other stuff. But my physical pain is not what I think about when I think about why this has been my hardest year. This has been my hardest year in a much deeper way. And I have had, um, as I often have, I have I felt myself continuing to isolate. There is, it's, it's weird, there, it seems like there is a, 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 in the animal world or something, that when you're in pain, like if a dog gets injured, it hides. If a dog gets hit by a car and it's not, it's not mortally wounded, it will always go hide under something. And the reason is, is when you are hurt, you are at risk. You, you, you intuit the risk to that. And it's the one thing, is, it's one of the things I believe that is sort of, again, differentiates us from the animal kingdom because God is going to ask us, we're going to have to push through that instinct to hide and isolate. But it is, a, for many people, of you, like me, it's a normal response. When you're feeling of those of these things that are negative and painful and hurtful, and you've kept asking God and it continues, and the answer doesn't come very quickly, you might, like me, have a tendency to withdraw and isolate. And that's what I, I saw happening. And I kept asking God, will you fix this in me? this depression, this loneliness, this deep sadness that I'm experiencing. And then I started thinking about seeking and knocking. Let me tell you my process. Not, this is not a prescription for you. So, maybe six weeks ago, I shared with some friends that I was in trouble. I felt like I was in trouble. And I didn't know what to do. I just said, here's, you know, this has been a really hard year, here's kind of what's happened. And I feel myself shutting down and I'm, I'm scared. And I asked them for their input. That's important, because it's risky for them. My friends are, are well-mannered often and they would be, they would, I, I wanted them to know I'm open to, I'm open to just, if you just want to, if you would pray for us, that'd be awesome. That's, that, that's, I don't mean that in a dismissive way. That would be great. Or if you have some, so I, what I did was, in my mind, I began to seek what other information about this experience might I need to get? What other perspectives might I need? 
I, will, I understand that's risky to do. It's risky to show up and say what actually is happening with you. And it's risky for lots of reasons. You may not be, you may not be wanting, we've, maybe you've had that experience where you've said a hard thing to somebody and all you wanted was for them to give you a hug or for them to nod and suddenly you were filled with tons of advice from them. I, I know it's not a, there's not a perfect system here. I wish I could make it that way. We're all just trying. But it seems to me that the asking, seeking, and knocking are all ways to say you cannot resolve this on your own. Often the story in the Bible is you cannot resolve this on your own, but your instincts, if you're human, often will be, I've got to do this. I have to take care of this. I've got to muster the strength, the ability. And I don't think that's how God has made us. So for me, this is how I thought of the seeking part, was I asked my friends for some input. April and I have been married 36 years, and in those years, definitely, there have been lots of times when, especially early in our marriage, when we would hit hard places in our life, and it was not a connecting point for us, but it was a fracturing point. It was, it was volatile. And we would, we, would go to, we would go to therapy, and basically it was, we'll pay somebody so I can just say the mean things I want to say to her and get kind of permission to say it, you know, and vice versa. It was, so, this has been a unique season in our lives. We've we, we both been in a really, really hard place. But for one of the first times in our lives, it hasn't fractured us. And so one of the advices that came was for us to go to a person who specializes in, in marriage intimacy. And so that's one of the things we're going to do. We got some input about some of our, my diet. So I'm trying to make some of those changes. It, now, it's interesting. Let's be honest. When you ask for help from a friend, if you have, let's say, you have a friend who is sort of charismatic, their response is going to be from their worldview, and they're going to give you that advice. If you have a friend who's a therapist, I guarantee you they're probably going to invite you into some therapy. If you have a friend who's an exercise nut, they're probably going to kind of advise you to get some exercise. And I'm telling you, that's okay. That's really how it's supposed to work. No one person has all the answers, but as a community, I think there are some resources here. Which leads me to knocking. So that's what April and I began to do. So we got in, I thought of seeking. This is my thought. I thought of seeking is, okay, God, what do I need to know about what's happening to me? What information, what input do I need? And then knocking is, God, what do you want me to try? What do you want me to try? Therapy, diet, exercise. I've got a doctor's appointment on Wednesday. That to me is the knocking. And I say all that I, and I'm scared of one thing, and that is that you're gonna hear me say, you gotta work harder. You, you, you gotta get busy. You gotta do, do, do. And I don't know how to resolve that. Like, faith is not an action, but a surrender, but it is something I do. I can't resolve for you that 
I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, it's all on you. You just need to get busy. But I think he's inviting me into something with him where his, what he calls his body, might have some resources available for me. All right, that's my process. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for you to think of one request that you have had often over the last six months. Three months, I don't care. You hear yourself saying this over and over, dear Jesus, help me. I'm gonna pause, I want you to just think for just a moment about that. For this next step, let me pray. So Lord, with this one request that we have made often to you, would you bring to our mind and give us the courage to tell somebody about this? Lord, who do you want us to tell? Who do you want us to invite? Who do you want us to ask for help from? And here's where I'm going to leave this. If God were to speak to you and you were to hear him say, here's the people I'd like for you to share that information with, then I'd like you to consider knocking on some of those doors. I'd like for you to consider trying. Nothing's foolproof, no formulas here. But would you consider trying some of what the friends you love and trust share with you? Thank you, Father, that I believe you want to know how we're doing. Thank you that you care. And thank you that you want to say yes. You want us to know the life that you've given us. Amen. I'm always grateful that regardless of how we intersect with some of the content of our Sunday experience together, that we get to physically be reminded that he cares about us. I, I think the, the idea of the bread and the wine is, is so brilliant. Jesus could have just sort of 
given us the facts, right? He could have just said, hey, I'm going to die for you, and my body's going to be broken, and my blood's going to be shed, and just remember that. Just keep thinking about that. But he, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember Remember when you taste, when you, when you taste it, remember, I care about you. I'm not going to give you a stone or a serpent when you ask for bread or for fish. And the blood, the cup is the blood of the new covenant. What that means is Jesus saying, listen, that instinct you have that it's all on you, I get that, but I've got a whole new way for you. It's all on me. This is my blood which was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And so you're invited today to come and, and to taste On my right, there is a, a juice and a gluten-free option. The white cup is juice, the brown cup is the wine. I invite you to come. Oh, Lord, I just pray that we would drink in that goodness today, every one of us. Um, thank you um, for showing yourself over and over to us. And I pray that as we leave here, Lord, that we would, um, that there would be a, a lightness in our heart and in our step as we remember um, that you, um, when we ask and when we seek and when we knock, that you always give good gifts to your children. Thank you. Through Christ. Amen. Have a great day.